This program was brought to you by Eat on North. Eat on North is a casual restaurant where honest, uncomplicated food is served without pretension. Find Eat on North at hotelonnorth.com. I'm Greg Blaze, host of Cutting the Curd. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sharp and Hot. I am your host, Chef Emily Peterson, joining you live from Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick, Brooklyn. This is episode number 104. It is the last week of October. It is crisp and beautiful. I love this time of year. The leaves that are changing color, I always thought the leaves changing color had something to do with the drought, or like there had to be a lot of rain or something. Like We haven't had rain in weeks, and the trees around my house are absolutely stunningly beautiful. The other day I went out for a run and I was like, God, I'm like overwhelmed by how beautiful the earth is. And then I like kicked myself for feeling really cheesy and silly. But it's the truth. And um, <clears throat> I am drinking a Pret-a-Manger uh, ginger carrot thing that's making that's really spicy and i had a really spicy sandwich just before we went on air so i feel like i'm getting some capsaicin <clears throat> happening in my voice i apologize and i will try to pull myself together i wanted to share with you this crazy thing that just happened this morning i you guys know i'm a nerd and so anything that i can nerd out on give me the opportunity and i will be the geek that i was in ninth grade so where I teach at NYU, we have a class called Advanced Foods, and it's the com- uh, complement to Intro to Food. So if you take Intro to Food and you like it and you have room in your schedule, you can take the optional Advanced Foods. And for this class, I get experts to come in. So I have a butcher come in. I have my brother come in to demonstrate fish butchery. And I have a cheese expert ca- come in. And this year, I had Emily Acosta, Heritage Radio Network's own host of Cutting the Curd, charming, funny, hilarious, wonderful, warm woman. So she comes in and she's going to do a mozzarella demonstration with the students. And then she also brought with her four cheeses that they were going to taste that were all iterations of mozzarella. So fresh mozzarella, provolone, um, burrata, and then this other like artisan American made aged funky mozzarella. So the funky mozzarella has a hard case on the outside just from the aging process. So it starts as regular mozzarella. They tie a rope around the top and then hang it in a cave and let it age. So she starts talking about cheese mites. And cheese mites are these little tiny bugs that... Um, if you are familiar with mimolette, which looks like a cantaloupe, both on the outside and on the inside, it has this like rind that looks almost like brain coral. Like it is pitted and that's created by these mites and they're totally harmless. They, and I, so she's talking about them. I'm like, can you see them? And she says, no, but occasionally I'll be working and you'll see like in the sunlight, like a puff of dust, like puff off the side of a cheese. (laughs) So you'll know like something's been knocked loose. And I was like, huh? fascinating so she's running the class i'm kind of just floating around and i'm like you know what this is an academic environment i bet we have a microscope so i go into the other room and i ask my colleague kalila if we do in fact and she's like you know we do like i've been talking about donating it for years it's never been used no one's ever asked for it. and i was like 
oh my goodness, can I please use the microscope? So <laughs> like a science project, I pull it out of its um, styrofoam box that it hasn't been out of since as long as she's been there, which is 2008. And I it's like muscle memory, how you remember how to do this stuff that you learned how to do in middle school. So I get a glass slide and I take the cheese and I take a little bit off and I look in the lens, nothing. I just see like cheese rind and I'm like, oh man, I'm like, maybe I need higher resolution. So I get it. Like I do the click and I focus it. Nope. Just like cheese curd or cheese rind dust. Damn it. I click it again, focus it, nothing. Like, oh, all right. Well, and she, so Emily's teaching and she comes over and she's like, well, they could be they might be dead. I mean, I, I don't even really know exactly what we're looking for. <laughs> so she picks up the piece that I had scraped from. And she's like, try this area right here. This like dusty looks like to me, it looks exactly the same. But you could see it was like, I mean, for lack of a better word, maybe slightly chewed up. So I scrape a little back onto the lens. And I put it under the microscope and Oh my God, cheese mites. <laughs> like I screamed like a child and jumped back. And my students were all like, what happened? I was like, you guys, oh my God. <laughs> it was like 50 like mites like, at my eyeball level because they're huge under the microscope. And I like, <laughs> freaked out. My heart was racing. All of my students, of course, love them. All wanted to see, except for a couple who were totally horrified. So... <laughs> I get back like I let all of them look. I get back around and I look in, and it's like a. It looks like this, like Manhattan, and fast. Like they're just working. They're just eating and moving the stuff around, pushing each other out of the way. There was like a million of them, so one of my students helped me stabilize the top of my camera, my phone, and using just the iPhone camera, I feel like I should send this video to Apple and be like, "Hey, put this up. I made this just with the time lapse. I was able to." film four seconds of them working if you guys go to at chef emily p on instagram you will see this video that is hair raising and then we all turn back around and look at the cheese plate and it's all just sitting there and half of my students were like i don't think i can eat that anymore and the other half were like that's why it tastes good no 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 I, it was a highlight of my professional career. It was so awesome because it would have just been so easy to say, yeah, cheese mites, fascinating. Because like, I know that they're on Mimolette and I know that they're there. But this moment of like, let's see what happens. Like, let's just do it was so incredibly rewarding. And I just had the best time. I owe Emily a little bit of an apology, though, because I completely derailed class and the mozzarella itself that the students were supposed to be focused on making did not turn out awesome. But I think the trade off was totally worth it. So go to Chef Emily P on Instagram and enjoy my little science project. Um, as it is the week of Halloween. It's also the week of the Day of the Dead. And joining me in the studio right after the break is going to be my very, very dear friend, Zoe Maya. She grew up in Mexico City. She is legit able, able to talk about a holiday that I know from Volver and the Book of the Dead, the two movies that I've watched recently, and I know Sugar Skulls and Sugar Skull Makeup. She's going to tell us all about the history, customs, and foodways. And I'm super excited to have her. We'll be right back. This is the story of men and women who shed not only their clothes, but also their... 
Hi, I'm Brian Alberg, and I'm the executive chef at Eat on North in the Berkshires of Western Massachusetts. Eat on North in the Berkshires of Western Massachusetts is a casual restaurant where good, honest, uncomplicated food is served to our guests. Our restaurant is part of the hotel called Hotel on North, the newly opened boutique hotel in downtown Pittsfield. We source local ingredients from our neighboring farms and offer an all-day dining menu of flavorful American cuisine for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And on weekends, we serve brunch. Our oyster bar serves up delicious shellfish and oyster samplers until 11 p.m. Check out our menu at eatonnorth.com and follow us on Instagram. Hi, this is Dave Arnold from Cooking Issues, and I'm here to talk to you about the Museum of Food and Drink, which is finally getting a brick-and-mortar space right here in Brooklyn, New York. So the Museum of Food and Drink is opening the MOFAD Lab, our first laboratory and gallery space, where we will be putting on an exhibition called Making It or Faking It, the history of the flavor industry. It tackles a very important uh, topic, which is how the food system got to be the way it is now uh, as a result of the intervention of the flavor industry, how that happened. Get your tickets at tickets.mofad.org to come see the first exhibit ever of the Museum Museum of Food and Drink at the MoFad Lab, brought to you by Infinity on 62 Bayard Street. Welcome back to Sharp and Hot, everyone. I am your host, Emily Peterson, joining you live from Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick, Brooklyn. I want to go to that, that MoFad thing. That sounds awesome. I have to explain to people that truffle oil is not a thing. That is not a flavor. That is it, created on the New Jersey Turnpike in the same place that's creating Clinique's Happy Perfume line. Anyway, that's a topic for an entirely different show. Today, we are going to talk to my incredibly warm, charming, talented friend, Zoe Maya Jones. Hi, Zoe. Hola, hola. Zoe Maya. You did not grow up in Mexico City. You grew up in Cancun. That's right. Which I feel like we must have talked about this because I also grew up in a tourist destination. Maybe that's why we get along so well. Probably. There's something about being like from a place where other people are transient. Yeah. And always in your way. Just like New York City. (laughs) And always on vacation. (laughs) And I feel like that gave me kind of a warped sense of what adult life was like. Because the adults that I saw and waited on in restaurants were always on vacation. I was like, that's what life was like. Yeah. It it looks so nice just hanging out with your margarita on the beach. It's like, I want to be there, too. What is it like to grow up in Cancun? (laughs) Um, When I was little, I'm sure it was just like growing up anywhere else. But I think it allowed me to grow up really quickly because in high school, you know, we were doing the same thing that you hear about people doing when they come visit. So um, in that way, I think I I got to college and had a lot of my partying like out of the way. (laughs) That's good that you can focus a little bit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. (laughs) So tell us about the Day of the Dead, because pretend that I don't know anything about it, which is probably legitimately the case. Why is it so fascinating a holiday to Americans? You know, I've always wondered. People are really fascinated by it. It's something that in Mexico, I mean, I find it to be one of the most beautiful traditions that we have. Um, And it dates back way past sort of it's associated now with all saints and all souls day, which is November 1st and November 2nd. Um, But it actually used to be in the Aztec culture celebrated in earlier July and August. Um, And it was sort of an homage and festival dedicated to the lady or the goddess of the underworld. And it was really like a celebration because in Aztec culture and many other belief systems, you never really die. You just move on to another 
life. And so it was really a celebration more than a, a mourning of people who had passed. Um, and similarly now it is the same. And so um, one of the traditions is building an ofrenda or an altar, which you build for the people that have passed away in your life. Um, people that you care for, and you put some of their favorite foods and drinks on the table. As you do a way. this at your house, or you do this at their grave? So both. Okay. Um, it sort of depends on the situation. A lot of people will host um, a, an event at their home if they've had someone pass within the last year. Um, and then, like, grandparents and people that have been long gone and ancestors, you'll go to their grave and decorate their grave. Um, but there's almost always an ofrenda in your home. Um, whether it's a tiny table or like a huge, some people, it takes up their whole yard. So it's sort of interesting how, you know, a lot of people really go all out. Um, so is it solemn or is it like? N- it's really, it's, it's, a, it's a fun time. It's, okay. it's not solemn. I mean, I think that the, it's also represented in all of the bright flowers. Marigolds are the most traditional flower that's used. Um, they say because the scent of the flowers sort of uh, lures the spirits back home. Um, but it is, uh, you know, it's very, very colorful. We have the, the marigolds, the papel picado, which is the little paper that's cut out with different sort of scenes and flowers and decorate, decoration. Um, and that's all supposed to just be a celebration and fun and beautiful. Um, it's a little more solemn, I would say, on the first, because on the first is the Dia de los Inocentes, which is the Day of the Innocent. And that is for children who have passed. So that one is always a little bit more solemn than the next day, which is more for adults and older people and sort of celebrating their life rather than it ending too soon. Right, so okay. there is a little bit of, of sadness, I think, but I think it definitely is more a celebration of, of moving on to the next sort of stage of spiritual existence. And food, like you mentioned that like you leave their favorite snacks. So you leave some of their favorite foods and then there's some foods that are always there. So I brought you a present, actually. <gasps> oh my goodness. One thing that is almost always around is this bread. It's called pan de muertos. So it's, um, which means bread of the dead. You want to check and it you out. Can, so did you make this or did you buy it? I bought it. Um, I made some last year. It was a, quite a process. It's sort of it like so good. Yeah, it's sort of like if you can imagine like a bri- a sweet brioche. So it's very heavy um, in uh, the butter and the eggs. I'm gonna take um, a bite. Yeah, please taste it. And then it's always covered in sugar. And then if you look at the top, you'll see that the sort of form to be like a little pile of bones. So they'll usually be a little I pile it was of a bones. Cross. Yeah. <laughs> So it usually be a little pile of bones, or sometimes it's in the shape of a skull, but most often it's like that. So um, for those of you who are listening, it's like a little bun, and then there are two, um, it's almost like an X of mm-hmm. the shape of bones on the top of the bread. Were you able to get this because of the time of year, or can you get it all the time? Yeah, it's usually only available for the week leading up to and a few days after uh, Dia de los Muertos. So um, you can find it in all of the Mexican bakeries. I live in Queens, so really easy for it's me to delicious. find. It's delicious. It's like, um, like yeasty almost like babka Mm -hmm. not like chocolate babka but like traditional like eastern european yeah it smells incredible yeah i love it it's sort of like challah too a little bit but without the egg i want to keep eating it but i don't want to chew on air (laughs) (laughs) so that's definitely a very traditional food there'll always be one on the table and you have it you know around throughout that time um and people usually start building the altar sort of like the week leading up to so the altar should be totally up by the time like the 31st rolls around. Um, Do you go around house to house like we go trick-or-treating? So you go around um, and 
you usually, depending on the situation, a lot of times you'll like bring, you'll walk with candles, sort of like lighting the way um, to different people's homes or to the church. Um, so it just sort of depends on the town. And it's really interesting because like every sort of town and region has their own traditions, you know, that also kind of follow along depending on the region. So um, it's definitely, I would say, a more complex holiday in that way that, you know, because it's very personal because you're honoring, you know, people in your own life as opposed to like some, you know, random. Yeah. 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 So there are, so you leave the bread. Are there candies involved? Sometimes there's candy. The sugar skulls are partly, they say to represent the, the sweetness of sort of moving on. Sometimes they're also made of chocolate. Um, and then, um, there's, what else? I'm trying to think of the picture. There's pictures of the people. Um, and then the, the sugar skulls is sort of another interesting like way that those came about. Because one of the things, there's a really famous um, sort of skull, um, uh, like a, a woman that's sort of like um, all dressed up. And she is an illustration. Uh, she's made by an illustrator that he was sort of saying like, hey, when we die, we're all the same. So rich or poor, all of us are sort of bones underneath. And um, so this became this really famous sort of image in Mexico that a lot of people use now in this sort of skull woman, really, really beautiful. The illustration, I want to say, was like in the... Like seventeen or eighteen hundreds. It's okay. been a while. Okay. I'm pretty sure I have the info, but um, but yeah, it's but not like this is a modern because I feel like the sugar skull costume has gotten the sugar co- really skull costume popular. has gotten really really popular. I don't know if that's something that started um, just because like all cultural <laughs> appropriation at some point something gets cool and then you know or people got bored with witches and so they were like <laughs> let's try this skull thing yeah i mean even i went to home goods yesterday because i needed some tchotchke thing and like it was all sugar skulls and yeah. i was like so a listener tweeted at me before this show and said so as a white girl putting on sugar skull makeup is that Inappropriate? Like, is that wrong? Is that akin to when the Victoria's Secret model got in trouble with the feather headdress? Right. Um, you know, it's interesting for me. I feel like with all things that sort of have a cultural representation or an importance in a culture, I think if you're being respectful of that culture and, you know, like, luckily I haven't seen many, like, sexy sugar skull <laughs> costumes, something like that. I think that if you're being respectful of the culture, I mean, it's something that's really beautiful. And I think that you can find throughout many different cultures how uh, people celebrating, you know, the passing on. And at the end of the day, like, we all all have a skull underneath our face. So I think if you're celebrating that and you're being respectful of the tradition and you know what it's all about, then you know, then I think it's fine. I think I have way more, I have a lot more issues with Cinco de Mayo. So Mm, (laughs) people could stop doing Cinco de Mayo parties and thinking that it's Independence Day of Mexico, which it is not, then I would be much happier. But some sugar skulls, you know, isn't really bothering me personally. I have a friend who lives in Ireland who's like, St. Patrick's Day is not what you guys do. (laughs) Like, it's like a solemn church day. Yeah, yeah. It's not about getting wasted on coronas <laughs> i've been i have been guilty of reason to drink it drunk on coronas. <laughs> right, 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 right. 
Um, last year on Halloween, I didn't realize it was Halloween. It just like didn't click that um, that was the day that I had my headshots taken, and I went to a makeup studio in downtown Manhattan, and everyone else was getting sugar skulls done. Wow! But me, and I was like, oh right, because it's Halloween. It's Halloween. That's why. And I will say that I was considering. I was like, I that. I mean, it is beautiful, but I thought I will. Number one, I'll terrify my child if I'm in like full sugar skull makeup at this point. <laughs> like, where did mommy go? Um, but I am like hypersensitive to that kind of thing. So thank you for clarifying. Absolutely. Other we should things, both do it. And I, we, can we spend Halloween together yeah. one year? Yes. I feel like that would be really Definitely. fun. Um, I'll tell you another funny Halloween. So I asked about going house to house because here, that's what everybody does. And there are some places in my neighborhood houses that like, go crazy all out and there's one every year they must spend like three grand on just stuff like fake tombstones and lighting and they put cars in their driveway that are like filled with like a dead prom scene and like all this i mean he goes like crazy so the other day i was taking james to the playground to get him out of the house my you know my husband and i rock paper scissors for who's playground and who's cleaning so i got to go to the playground and i rolled in front of the house because i wanted to see how it was set up and my son looks out the window and he says Mommy, I think I want to go to a different playground. Oh, <laughs> I was like, oh you were scared. He was totally freaked out. Oh man! So I was like, right, right, because you're three. But yeah, I'm like trying to teach him that, it, like, don't be scared of plastic and not enough. Right. Too, so for sure. So, but yeah. Um. Well, anything. What about travel? I know there's like travel, like you know, um, guided tours that'll take you on down to the celebrations in Mexico. Is that something that's cool to do? Like, I mean, I think. Again, it's just about being respectful of the culture. You know, like right. in San Miguel de Allende, for example, like they're super famous for their celebrations for Dia de los Muertos. And, you know, I think it's something that if you get a chance to see it, you know, and you want to be there for it, then I think it's amazing. And I think if people are being respectful and it's also a way for people to connect to another culture in sort of a different way, because we all have lost people that we love. Sure. And so to find different ways to celebrate them and honor them, I think is a wonderful thing. Um, so do you do anything here in your house in Brooklyn? Well, I always build a little bit of an altar. I always kind of have one all year. Mm-hmm. So then I just sort of add to it and decorate it a little bit. Um, but yeah, I always have a few special things that I that I put out and picture from, of my grandma and my grandpa and things like that, that I just like to, you know, sort of continue that that tradition i always buy the bread mostly because it's delicious it and i delicious. like every day i buy a loaf because it's like it's available for such a short time and i have to say as i bit into it i was like wait am i even supposed to eat this like am i definitely supposed, <laughs> supposed to eat it there's always a show one right. you know that stays on the table and then there's like the smaller one they also you can buy them large the one that i gave you is pretty small but um there are also like huge ones they come in all different sizes awesome um so yeah we do and all kinds of things in addition to being my go-to resource for all things mexican yes. <laughs> and how to cook and like i will text you and be like i got tamale masa but i don't know what to do oh, you were yeah st- yeah i still yeah. have tamales in my freezer from Amazing. that project yeah we also <laughs> always make tamales for dia de los muertos That's oh yeah. Thing I always have. yeah so i made the mistake of making them by myself 
oh yeah you need a you need a party you i need a yeah group. we had people came over but i didn't set it up like an assembly line mm. and i ended up just being mad at the tamales by the end <laughs> right i just want this to be done but in addition to that you are also in a company with your partner mm-hmm. you guys are a chocolatier company yeah we have a monthly subscription service for chocolate so um yeah it's 25 dollars a month our subscribers are all over the u.s we ship everywhere in the united states we've done some international shipping as well um and each month is a different theme so part of it is you know education about chocolate how chocolate is made where it comes from so we're always featuring different sort of single origin or regional chocolate uh you know cacao um and then uh flavor profiles that go along with those so for example Two months ago, even though cacao doesn't grow in Japan, we're really interested in that our style is very similar to Japanese style in a way just because of like simplicity and honoring like single ingredients. So we used all single origin cacao for that. And then we had some different Japanese ingredients that we sort of fused with those like yuzu and black sesame and things like that. So every month you get five different flavors of the bonbons or truffles or whatever we're making for the month. And um, then also I do all of the... Mehdi is the chocolatier. He makes the chocolates. So I made one uh, truffle this this month. That was a, like a raw vegan one. It was really, wow. good, really good. <laughs> and then um, I do all the writing. So you also get sort of like a little, um, you know, like a little insert that tells you a little bit about the cacao and the different flavors and sort of our thought process behind making it because we feel like that's a really important part is being connected to who made what you're eating. Absolutely. Yeah. And like, it's one thing that like, oh, I have this chocolate and I just need like a chocolate fix. It's something else to experience it as like a focused learning opportunity that's delivered right to your door. Exactly. That's awesome. Yeah. Zoe Maya, thank you so much for coming oh, on Heritage Radio. thank you for having me. How do people find out about the chocolate company? Um, so they can visit our website, uh, which um, is hard to spell, but I think we can, we can spell it out for people or just uh, they can find it on the site. But it's called uh, Shalawi Chocolatier. So they can go to shalawi.co. Or shalawichocolatier.com. Um, and it's C-H-E-L-L-A-O-U-I dot co. Yep, that's All right. correct. And we can tweet that too. And so we can everybody, tweet it. Yeah, okay. Awesome. <laughs> and you are also an instructor at Haven's Kitchen, right? Yeah, I'm an instructor and the kitchen manager at Haven's Kitchen, uh, which is an awesome place where you can come and take classes about from me about making tamales and all kinds of different traditional Mexican food, as well as a huge variety of other cuisines. You're also a favorite instructor. People still ask about you all the time. (laughs) All of our staff was asking me, oh, tell Emily hello. We love you at Haven's Kitchen. We miss you. Um, I'm I'm Professor Emeritus at Haven's Kitchen. Yes, that is right. I'll be back for some guest work. Perfect. Perfect. And um, I will be on November 8th, which is a Sunday, with Cider Week. I'm going to be running the Dip Your Own Caramel Apple Station. Amazing. On Ready... Orchard Street. Oh my gosh. Isn't that awesome? Uh, so it's from 12 to 4, Lower East Side Cider Festival. You can go to ciderweeknyc.com for more info on all the Cider Week happenings. They are supporters of Heritage Radio Network and we love them. And I will be there if you want to come dip a caramel apple. Of Zoe course Maya. I, I do. I would love to see you. And also the following Wednesday on November 11th, I'm going to be the chef at Apple Palooza at Astor Center. You can get tickets at astorcenternyc.com. Say hi. Otherwise, I'm going to be a cat for Halloween. My kid's going to be what I'm calling the dapper dead. He's going to be a skeleton with suspenders and a bow tie. That's so cute. But no makeup because I have to get it back off of him again. 
So we'll see. Last year's Halloween was a complete disaster. He cried the whole time and we just ended oh, no. up staying home drinking wine. I was like, forget That's it. That's kind of how my <laughs> Halloween usually goes. <laughs> we're like, we're going to go trick-or-treating and he hated his costume. So we'll see how it goes this year. I don't have high expectations. Are you dressing up? Um, no, I'll probably be pretending like trick-or-treaters are going to come to my apartment and buying a bunch of candy that then I will... Mehdi and I will just eat it all ourselves. And I want to say thank you to the listeners. Several people have sent me um, the Teal Pumpkin Project. Have you heard about this? No. So it's an... um it's like this grassroots organization for kids who have food allergies. Parents can, people who have houses, I should say, <laughs> or apartments can paint a pumpkin teal and then you put that on your porch and that indicates to the trick-or-treaters that the house is offering non-candy options like a oh. box of crayons or a thing of, you know, like a Mad Libs something book. Something to play with. Something yeah. to play with that's not edible. My kid is deathly allergic to peanuts right. and tree nuts and now candy doesn't even say may contain traces. It just says may contain peanuts. Okay. Even if we're talking about like Kit Kats. Right. So my husband and I, he's not into, he won't understand the candy part of it. Uh, although he might, he, he understands Frozen. Did you see on Facebook a couple of days ago? I was like, who the hell told my oh, kid yeah, about yeah. Frozen? <laughs> but I, we were so trying rude. to figure out like, what are we going to do? And I had this idea like, we'll just weigh his bag and then give him a dollar a pound for candy. So he, or like maybe yes. by the time he's, I don't know, he'll be like, my a dollar? Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> but some sort of alternative because it's it's not that your teeth are going to rot out of your head, which is what I was threatened with as a kid. It's like, no, you really legit can't. Really so a bunch back. of listeners sent me this teal pumpkin project thing. So we can, I'm curious to see how many teal pumpkins are out on, uh, on front porches. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm excited to support those families. I mean, also because my husband and I were talking about how much Halloween candy you end up throwing away, too. Like, the novelty, like, you get your giant, like, the one giant candy bar from the rich family, and, like, you eat the Charleston chews or whatever, and then, like, I remember there would be a pillowcase full of candy on the top of the refrigerator to like april right and then by then it's all stale anyway but we uh, this is a whole new era ex, you know experiencing halloween as a parent right <laughs> not as a kid i'm so thankful that you came and explained day of the dead to oh, us thank you for having me i'm sorry i'm not bill murray bill if you're listening you are emily's dream guest so oh <laughs> Could you, you please come and show up already? But, you know, I'll sub for him whenever you that need me That is awesome. You know, that's the second time in the last hour that Bill Murray came up. Because uh, I think about him all the time because he wrote an article or he did a speaking engagement. Something where he said that there was a point in his career where he realized that no one else was going to be him. And it gave him this huge sense of relief that he wasn't competing with other people because he's just him. Yeah. No, he happens to be Bill Murray. <laughs> I don't think I'm there. <laughs> but yes, Bill, I will always have a seat for you. <laughs> thank you for remembering that, Zaymaya. You're incredible. <laughs> Until next week, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Liz for engineering the show. Thank you to Eat on North, which is a fantastic restaurant that I have been to up in Massachusetts. If you get the chance, please go. Otherwise, happy Halloween, everyone. And remember, keep playing with fire and knives. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.